Coming to you in hypersonic ultra-maximum high definition from the depths of the interwebs and straight into your ear holes, it's the Cinema Geekly Podcast, featuring all of the people's names I wasn't paid enough to say in this intro. It's time for the Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 158, brought to you this week by ThinkGeek. Head on over to cinemageekly.com slash thinkgeek or cinemageekly.com and click the ThinkGeek link at the top of the page. Uh, Use that to uh, do all of your geek gear shopping. We get a kickback. It's awesome. It helps us out. It helps them out. It helps you out. Uh, It's a triangle of win, Glenn. Uh, how are you doing this fine, fine morning? Uh, is it? Did, did I hear you correct earlier? It sounded like you said you got four hours of sleep. Is that true? Uh, I mean, probably less than that, but yeah. <sighs> you, you youngins, you party animals, staying up to all hours of the night. What? By the way, what what kept you up so late? Were you just not tired, or were you watching something and then blinked and didn't realize it was so late? Uh, kind of both. Uh, actually, I didn't get to sleep until like two thirty ish. Um, so I I didn't get a ton of sleep either. But hey, here we are, nonetheless, doing a, a long overdue regular Cinema Geekly podcast. Uh, so there's some stuff to catch up on. Glenn and I have both seen Wonder Woman. Uh, I've seen Alien Covenant, and you just saw... God, what is it called? You just were telling me about it. It Comes at Night. It Comes at Night. Um, there's a couple of horror movies that have come out that have gotten some critical acclaim lately, and I... Um, what was the other one? Was it Get Out, or... Yeah, the Jordan Peele movie. I haven't watched that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got, a, we got a bunch of movies to talk about. We've got some movie news to talk about. Uh, I'm amazed that my brain can even function right now, Glenn, because we are also doing the, we have Aurora and I have resurrected the gaming podcast and E3 is happening over the course of this weekend and the first couple of days into the new week. And that means a million panels, hours and hours and hours of people talking just to get to the gameplay footage and trailers of which there will be a million of. I'm going to try to catalog all of those. Uh, so there's things to talk about for the gaming show. Uh, I, uh, I forgot how hectic that all is. And on top of that, I think uh, we are not far off from Comic-Con either, are we? No, Comic-Con's usually like mid to uh, late July. Yeah, so that's coming up too. Busy time of the year. Over here at Cinema Geekly. Uh, so we're going to delve into uh, just a tiny bit of old news. And then we got movies to talk about. We got a brand new Marvel trailer to talk about. Uh, because DC cannot have a, a moment's quiet to celebrate some form of success without Marvel coming in and saying, Oh, we have a new trailer to show you. Uh, I feel like this happens every time. There's, oh, Batman v Superman had a great opening weekend. Oh, well, here's a trailer for our next movie. Uh, and that usually gets a lot of the 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 thunder stolen. 
from DC. I feel like this is on purpose, Glenn. Maybe some playful uh, Pokemon. I don't know. It was, a, it was a weird trailer. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about it, so... Uh, although probably near the end of the show. Uh, I want to talk about this uh, thing that we never got a chance to discuss, and I found it... Uh, I mean, obviously, on, on its face, it's uh, sad and, and heartbreaking and stuff, but on the other hand, as far as like what we're talking about, the movie stuff is fascinating, and I'm talking about the situation involving Zack Snyder and Justice League. Uh, obviously, everybody learned about this family tragedy that he suffered that apparently they kept quiet for several months, I think, right? Yeah, I think it's like mid-March or something like that. Yeah, and he, it, it was revealed that he was leaving the project altogether and handing the reins over to Joss Whedon to finish, I'm guessing, extensive reshoots and post-production. Uh, and then some stuff came out a little bit later on that maybe he had been helping out with the movie even earlier than... Uh, initial reports suggested I feel like it is our duty to temper the excitement of fans for a moment because I feel like there might be this this sentiment out there this this feeling that Joss Whedon is completely remaking the Justice League in, as a Joss Whedon movie and it's going to be more like the Avengers and less like the dark Snyderverse stuff and I'm pretty sure that that's not happening at all is that the feeling you get to or or am I wrong on this? Is this going to turn into a Joss Whedon movie? Well, I mean, when we saw, like, the first trailers for it, it definitely seemed lighter. Yeah. And even, I mean, Snyder even said, like, as soon as Batman v Superman came out, he said, like, you know, it's going to, the movies after this are going to be a lot lighter. He just wanted to go heavy first because he wanted to show the stakes, mm-hmm. which... Which is fine. It was just it was just poorly executed. I mean, that, that's yeah. kind of the thing. Like, that's a that's an okay thing to do. I wonder. Um, I wonder how much of that is like to play conspiracy theorist here. I wonder how like much retcon. Of, yeah, I wonder how much of that is like. Oh yeah, of course we always intended to make the movies lighter. It had nothing to do with the fact that these were uh, critical flops that a lot of people didn't enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say the thing to me for me like. Even like Suicide Squad was lighter. It was just, mm-hmm. it was just a mess. Yeah. So yeah, it felt like, I mean, him saying that, like, it didn't seem like it. And, and they would have been done. I mean, even if they did reshoots, I mean, that's a lot of posts to do in the matter of four months of a movie coming out. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, so, I, I mean, I'm my theory on on this, not at all being a Joss Whedon movie is that I've seen... I've just heard enough people talk about Joss when he comes in to do this kind of work, and he goes in with the assumption that he's not making his movie. He's going to try to make the best whomever he's stepping in for. In this case, Zack Snyder. So Joss is going to try to go in and do the best version of a Zack Snyder movie he can make. He's not well, trying I mean, to make it his, so... It's like with the X-Men stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I mean... You see all the... Yeah, go ahead. I was say, like, you see those, and you can definitely tell, like, uh, even if they aren't, like, that great, like, you can definitely tell, like, what's Brian Singer's, I guess, vision for him, like, mm-hmm. his two movies, because, you know, he went in and was, like, he, I mean, the only thing he says, like, there's a couple of jokes of mine that are in there for yeah. the X-Men, even though he rewrote the whole script, but he said for the most part they just used a couple of jokes. Yeah. And so maybe 
you know, he might, I mean, he did the same thing for Speed. So he yeah. might, like, write his own version. But I think the fact that he's older and probably all the things that went awry with his exit with Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, he probably is, he'd probably be a little bit more respectful, I guess. Yeah, I feel like he tries it. to, I feel like he tries to do a cover version. Yeah. Like, he puts a, he puts a little bit of his twang in there, but... I mean, you know, he probably adds, like, a little bit of wit. I mean, I wouldn't yeah, say... Yeah. yeah, he probably... If there's certain things that might seem like alleviate some tension, I mean, that makes sense, you know? Yeah, so I... I still feel like the... Vast... To me, it kind of feels like James Gunn, like, with the first Guardians. Like, not that it isn't good, but, like, you can definitely tell, like... You know the you family have tree. Much influence. Well, you can tell like the family tree that James Gunn comes from. You're, like you can definitely see like a lot of Joss Whedon tendencies in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, goes out and kind of does his own thing. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, I think there's reason to be hopeful for Justice League, just because I'm hopeful coming out of Wonder Woman. So there is that, but I feel like the bulk of the movie is going to be Zack Snyder. And if it's anything like his previous movies, uh, you know, I don't know if that's anything to be jumping for joy about. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Just because I have not enjoyed uh, the bulk of his work thus far, you know, doesn't mean I'm not going to like Justice League. So it's a, as with most things, it's a wait and see game. But yeah, I, I feel like it was just important to to temper um, expectations because I think there is this idea out here that it's going to be more of a Joss Whedon movie now, and I just don't think that's the case. I think it's there's going to be hints of Joss Whedon in what is ninety eight percent a Zack Snyder movie. So also, I think like with Jeff Johns becoming. Higher on the totem pole. Yeah. You know, he worked for Richard Donner. Yes. And the thing you always hear with all of these DC movies, which is weird that they don't actually say it about Marvel, because I think this, it could be the same criticism, is that it's like, and I know why I do, because you know, him making the Superman stuff, but it's always like, oh, it's not Christopher Reeve's Superman. And a lot of it is mm-hmm. probably nostalgia. But, like, they are, I mean, the first two, especially the first one, I mean, like, they really are, like, yeah. truth, hope, and the American way. I mean, like, those are as corny as it gets, but it's, but they're good. Like, it works. I mean, the, uh, I feel like, uh, and has, I mean, I felt like this beforehand, but boy, did a lot of people re-remind me of this on Twitter uh, in recent days. Um, but it was something that I already was aware of, but people felt the need to re-remind me, uh, that the Marvel movies these days basically borrow very heavily from that Superman, the Donner formula for Superman. They've just modernized it, uh, and they've put their spin on it, but the Marvel movies are way more like the, the Donner Superman movies than the DC movies are right now. Uh, but, uh, I mean, and, and there's... And th- and this is obvious too. There there was an article just the other day, of, uh, quoting both Jeff Johns and Kevin Feige. They're talking about the Donner movies and how those are inspirations uh, to both of them. Obviously, so hopefully that will have some influence on the way the DC movies are are made as well. So, well, it's, I mean, I don't know if we really want to get into it, but it's like what you and I talked about, like off air, 
the other day. I don't know why we didn't record that conversation and <laughs> recorded us talking about Airbud. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what we recorded instead. But, you know, like I said, and I don't feel like I'm completely alone in this, like, the Marvel movies are always pretty good or okay. I mean, at the very least, like, they're always okay. Like, they're solid. I leave the theater or I didn't, I don't think I haven't caught one in theaters. Um, I leave it going, oh, yeah, that's fine. Like, it's good. Uh, but I'm never going to rewatch any of them. Yeah. And I think that kind of speaks to a lot of movies that come out. Um, I mean, that doesn't describe me at all. I rewatch a lot of things. I mean, if I really like a movie, I rewatch them, but like a lot usually. Um, but I mean, that, I think that's just more of my, I think those are just more idiosyncratic things with me than they are. Um, I don't know how universal that trait is. And a lot of people, I, most people I know don't rewatch movies, period. I don't know a lot of people who own a lot of movies. Like I know people who own some movies, like they own their absolute favorites. You know, I will pick up anything that I remotely liked. If I liked something like a little bit more than average, chances are I probably pick it up and I'll watch it more than uh, once or twice again. So, um, but I think that's, again, that's more of a me thing than an everybody else thing. I don't know. I think it's just like, I go back and I watch like, like I've, like I told you, Robbie had never seen the Brendan Fraser Mummy movie. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen that movie. But it'd be like the same thing of like Fifth Element. Like I don't know why. Like late night, and I mean even like eighties. Like there's just that kind of that sweet spot. Yeah. With the characters that you can rewatch, and I just feel like with a lot of the superhero stuff, like I can't go back and and rewatch it because it's just not. They're good, and you know, but I think it's just you're too familiar with the archetypes and the tropes. Yeah, that it's hard to really get anything new out of. And that's kind of mm-hmm. the double-edged sword that is Iron Man three. Like why I like it so much because in a lot of ways I thought it was like a middle finger to some fanboys, yeah. and maybe and maybe they deserved it. You know, it's just kind of a you know let's shake it up. Like at least like if it is, it definitely feels different than. Uh, yeah, all the other Marvel movies, even even if I mean, definitely that plot line has been done yeah. quite a few times. I mean, it's pretty much, uh, and it had some third uh, act issues. Like Spider Man Three, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. But uh, like, at least it feels different. I mean, that's like the biggest thing I would say. Like the Guardians movies, like to me, like they're not really superhero movies. I mean, they're just Space fun adventure films. Yeah, I mean, they're not. Uh, I don't feel like they're tied to that. So I always kind of keep them separate because it's none of them really have like power powers. It's just, Oh, they're aliens. Like, of course some of them will be stronger and that kind of stuff. And some weird, but it's not, it's not prevalent on the, a lot of the superhero ness. Yes. I mean, besides like the first guardians being pretty similar to the Avengers, which is fine. I mean, that's one thing I will say. Marvel's really good about getting a template. They're not necessarily like reusing it all the time, yeah. but definitely and they they upon they, it. But with the sequels, they go in different ways. Yeah, it always feels like their origin stuff is always the same. Yeah, which is why like I'm probably never. I mean, I'm never gonna watch. I, I don't even really care for it that much. But like, I'm never gonna watch the first Iron Man movie again. I don't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like, although it's Mar- probably the so, best of the three Iron Man movies. But continue. Yeah, well, I didn't like, but like Captain America, like Winter Soldier, like that's very different. Whereas, you know, the first one, you know, it's kind of you you have to you have to hit the beats that you need to hit, and that's always kind of the problem with a lot of these superhero stuff. Like, there's certain things you absolutely have to do. So since you absolutely have to do them, if you don't, they do not work. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about Wonder Woman. Like, it's good, but it, is, it definitely feels familiar. And not even, like, comparing it to Captain America First Avenger. Like, of which just, there are similarities. Yeah, it's yeah. just you You definitely can see, oh, like, you know where it's going to go. Yeah. I don't want to have to do with the fact that it's a prequel, but, like, you yeah, definitely it's a, it's know an, what needs to happen. Yeah, it's an origin story of a comic book character, is this Wonder Woman movie, and... Uh, there's been a zillion comic book origins in comics and in movies. And, you know, uh, once you've done a million of them, they all, you know, you notice that, oh, there's a pattern to these. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't mean Wonder Woman is, is bad, uh, as we will discuss, because uh, it is not. Uh, but, you know, there are, you know, there are those... Uh, there are those familiarities there. I mean, you're, it's you're, you're pretty much to me. It always just feels like you're like in a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I like, I, I kind of for, I kind of forgive them. Yeah, for that's doing what I mean. Like, it's, not, stuff. it's not even. You got it because you you, 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 you have to have those in there. Yeah, because if you she's don't, a, then she's it's a, a shit fest. And she's a character that hasn't been done on the big screen. Yeah. You have to do an origin story for those who don't know it or are unfamiliar with it. I mean, I can forgive that stuff. Uh, before we get to any of that, um, some news coming out of Netflix, Glenn, they have, as they've been ramping up the number of original shows that they're doing and original films, which is, uh, an Easter egg cheap plug for future podcasts. We're going to be doing, um, They've been ramping up the number of shows they're doing. It's actually really insane. There was a time where they only had two or three original shows, and it has exploded. They have so many original series that they're doing, and I am excluding uh, documentaries and stand-up specials, things like that, of which there are also a ton. I'm talking about just TV shows and films, and it's exploded. There's a bunch of them. And... Uh, with those numbers, because up until now, Netflix has basically had uh, hit after hit on their hands. Uh, and yes, I am including the Adam Sandler movies, even though I don't think anybody with a critical eye enjoyed those movies. Uh, clearly, they attained the viewership that Netflix was hoping for, because uh, they are happy with them. Uh, but it was, I guess, inevitable that there was going to be shows that got canceled and they have finally done that uh i so apparently they also nixed the marco polo show which kind of went under the radar because they uh the bigger show that they canceled was sensate which is the lana wachowski show i don't know if the other wachowski was involved in the show but i know that lana wachowski was heavily involved um in the show did you watch any of sensate no, I've never watched it. Okay. Um I, I watched um they had two seasons and a Christmas special. Uh I've watched I, I, I've actually watched all of it. Uh it's not a bad show. In fact, uh I mean It's different from what I understand. It's it's very different, a little difficult to follow at first, but once you 
once you kind of get down, like, in your head what the show is doing, it's a lot easier and less confusing. It's it's really interesting premise, really, really ambitious for a TV show. Like, they shot all over the world, uh, and a lot of TV shows do not shoot all over the world. Uh, super ambitious, interesting concept. I feel like more often than not, they were hit uh, with their shows than miss, although they, you know, had misses. I thought it was a really good show, uh, with potential to be a really, really good show. But uh, Netflix canceled the show, and fans were in an uproar. Uh, they they started they started a, a tweet storm as as the kids do nowadays, um, and people assured me uh, because I was trying to let people down gently about why the show was canceled and why Netflix can more accurately determine if a show is not doing well more, even more so than TV because as as people tried to point out to me and they are correct there are shows that were canceled that were clearly far more popular than television ratings, which are not fully accurate, let on. Firefly, for example, is clearly way more popular than was given credit for, and they ended up with a movie. Uh, Family Guy, I believe at one point, was canceled before there was a fan uproar, and it was so large that they brought the show back. It's been on the air ever since. Well, it was canceled, and then it was put to Adult Swim. And then build up its base, Mm -hmm. and then build up its base, and then came back to Fox. Yeah, Um, people tried telling me that this, um, you know, the same thing could happen with this show, and I tried to tell them, no, it can't. It can't happen with this show because Netflix has insanely precise viewership numbers. Not only do they know how many people are watching a show, they know how many new people are watching a show. They know how many episodes of the show you've watched, and they know how m- how much of those episodes you have watched down to the second. Uh, they can tell you that you've watched five episodes of Sense8, and you stopped at the sixth episode, and you stopped 25 minutes in. They have insanely precise numbers, and... The show purportedly, uh, by the second season, was costing $9 million an episode, which is pretty expensive for TV terms. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. That's, like, super expensive. That's, like, Game of Thrones numbers, I think, um, when it comes to, like, production costs. And this show is not getting Game of Thrones viewership numbers. Uh, Netflix has like an insanely high subscriber count and it's obvious that this show is too expensive and they were not getting enough viewers to justify, uh, to offset the cost of the show. So, you know, I mean, people can, you know, you can get 200 or 400 or 500,000 tweets on Twitter, but you know that's not a, that's not enough for a show like this with this cost. Um, you know I've seen people say, "Oh, can't you just you know bring all the characters together and keep it in like one location and lower the cost down?" Which maybe they could, but that's probably not the vision that the people making this show had in mind. Uh, the tweet storm. There was enough of a tweet storm to actually get an official response from Netflix, which was like, "You know, we've heard you. We've seen the hashtags." Um, you know, we appreciate your enthusiasm and your passion, but yeah, there's just no way we can bring this show back. It's too expensive. Not enough people were watching it. 
Um, you know, and that's kind of just how it is. I saw some people that were like, you know, but it's a watch anytime you want. So it's not easy to, you know, not everybody can just jump in and watch their favorite show at the drop of a hat. Um, but I feel like those people are at the, at the minority. I think, I mean, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like Netflix numbers would bear out that a show or a movie gets the bulk of its views closer to when it's released as opposed to further out from its release. Yeah, they usually I think they say like they measure like what has been watched within a month. So they go yeah. month by month to see Yes. If something building up steam or yeah. if it's starting to dwindle. Yeah. So and it's like here's the thing too, like you would you can make the same exact argument for television, mm-hmm. which is look, if you really like a show, you're gonna it would if you really want to watch it, you're going to watch it when it comes out. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean you're going to watch it that day, but you're definitely going to DVR it and try and keep up with it. I mean, the same thing with cable companies. I mean, they can, they can track and see what you DVR and when you watch it. I mean, so it's not a... I mean, there's a, there's there, a reason... There's a way to do it. Yeah. There's a reason binge-watching has become a coined phrase, uh, because lots of people do it. Oh, I yeah. mean, not I mean necess- that's the thing, too, is if you're going to release it all together... Um, you know, and again, some people might feel like, oh, I'm eventually, I'm going to, I mean, that's kind of what happened with Orange is the New Black. It's like, well, I mean, mm-hmm. I got all the time in the world. They're going to drop everything every season comes in. So I yeah. could get caught up in a couple of weeks. It's not even a problem. Yeah. There's definitely people who like shows a lot who will take their time in watching them. And then there were people who, you know, cannot resist. And then they watch every everything as soon as they can. Uh, now, but, but Amazon and Hulu, I mean, they both stepped mm-hmm. up their game. I mean, I've heard, like, oh, that yeah. Handmaid's Tale is, like, incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm probably never going to watch it, but... <laughs> there's, That's um... Great. Yeah, and I think there's more into the consideration. I think a lot of people also think they just looked at the viewership for the second season and decided to cancel it. People forget that they had a Christmas special in December. They were probably looking at those numbers. They were probably looking at the numbers from the first season. I can almost guarantee that they looked at the numbers for the first season and thought, well, these are disappointing numbers, but, you know, the show will catch some word of mouth. It'll pick up some steam. You know, we'll see what happens. And my feeling is that the numbers stayed similar or ticked up just a little bit, but not enough. Uh, the thing I found really fascinating with Netflix is the fact that all their, like, premiere shows... Um, they were they've been releasing all of them since summer. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I guess I get they must show studies that in the summertime people binge more. Yeah, whether it's they might be at home more because of their kids or whatever, but it it is Air really interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like we've gone from like what's it? I mean, a big show for them. I, mean, I haven't watched it, but I've only heard good things. Like it's like Master of None, and then it's Kimmy Schmidt, and then House of Cards. And even something like a, a much, much smaller show, but apparently is one of their higher-rated ones, is Flaked. And then F is for Family, which is, like, one of the biggest yeah. shows they've ever had. Like 13 Reasons Why is really popular. Well, but, I mean, that came out, like, in March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- some of those surprise hits. I mean, it's like, uh, when I'm talking, like, their, their shows that are coming up on their second or third, you know, fourth seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird that they, they're releasing all of them back to back to back to back. Oh, yeah. Going into summer, but by the way, like second Game of Thrones is you know if you definitely know, uh, which I'm really surprised. I mean, I get they did it because of the theme, but I'm really surprised something like 
Stranger Things because so many people wanted it to be at the Emmys last year, even though it, it couldn't just because of time uh, of when it was released, which I'm guessing is probably why Netflix is doing this. They're trying to be the last thing that you watch before award season since you can watch the whole show. Yep. It'll probably have a lasting impact. But, uh, you know, something like Stranger Things comes out in October. Like, it's going to be, to me, it's going to be interesting is to see what, because it just seems like all their big shows are coming out now, mm-hmm. how they're going to space out um, some of the other stuff. But it also looks like a lot of their movies, their dramas, that they definitely want to try and get into the Oscar race. Since, you know, Amazon had a movie up there for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. That they uh, might that they're going to try and get that. So maybe all their appointment viewing television is going to come out, you know, early summer, and then all their big movies are going to come out, you know, right before the Oscar season. You know, from October to uh, December, that's going to be all their want to be Oscar movies, and that's just going to be their new template yeah. because yeah. now now they're trying to get the credibility, even though they really don't need it. But I just think they want the hardware instead of just being critically acclaimed. Um, all right, so let's talk about what we've been watching at the movies. So you just saw It Comes at Night, which is sitting at an 86% on the tomato meter. Really well-reviewed. Uh, yeah, you feel is... really shitty after you watch it. You realize the director has only made one other movie, which is also like critically acclaimed. Trey Edward Schultz. Yeah, yeah, and he's three years older than you. So he's 29... Yeah, he's twenty nine years old, and uh, oh, he did he did Krisha, and he's being called like the next American auteur, and he's from Houston, which is so huh. weird. He's these very thoughtful filmmakers all coming from Texas. It's like they, it's like they stuck out like a th- sore thumb and yeah, 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 were suppressed into this. <laughs> it's kind of weird. weird. Like you know, like Wes Anderson, like. Is that really what you would think of as a Texan? <laughs> Richard Linklater. Uh, <laughs> it's just kind of weird. These, these guys who have very distinct style and taste uh, mm-hmm. come from here. It is, it's always just kind of fascinating to me. So what did you what did you make of It Comes at Night then? Uh, it's really good. It's definitely not for everybody. Um, I'm fairly certain uh, most people in the movie theater were kind of like, what? You know, um, nothing happened. I thought this was a zombie movie. Like, I'm sure at Groans, which looking at the audience score, I'm not surprised. Um, but it's, uh, if you like slow movies, um, and suspense, like, I will say, wow. it is. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't really trust that audience score that much, but for the most part, I think you can judge that it seems like a lot of people didn't enjoy it while the critics loved it. Um, it sounds like it's like Hitchcockian horror where you don't, you do. It, yeah. It doesn't show you much. Yeah. It doesn't. It's, it's like, it's exactly it. He doesn't show you. He just gives you a, a boatload of noises and you have to fill in the gaps. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, what, what, what would what would you give this film as an audience member and a and a partial critic? Because it it felt like you were coming down. I mean, I guess I've never been, so I couldn't really tell you. But I, I would imagine it was like crashing down from a high for about three and a half hours. Wow. Just my just your anxiety to for me like 
and all of my friends who saw it, like our anxiety was just so high the whole time watching it. Like, and it's not even that long. I think it's like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, does, does that mean it's three and a half geeky glasses, or is it way better than that? Oh, it's way better. I mean, to me, like honestly, like I probably like maybe four and a half. Like, it's definitely like, the best thing I've seen. Like, it's definitely up there. Like, it's going to be up there towards the end of the year. And I'm not a big horror guy, so for me, like, I prefer suspense over slasher. And and there's, like, maybe one or two jump scares in it, if that. But I will say, like, um, the main character is is the son. Um, I mean... You see, you see the you see the movie through his lens. I guess is what I should say. Yeah. And uh, I've never seen this kid before. Never seen him in anything. Never heard of him. And damn, he is really, really good. Not there's like I might show you in the trailer. Not, not the little little kid. Yeah. Um, but like the the teenager, seventeen year old guy. He is really good at this movie. <laughs> Um, so that's a, a recommendation. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not, like, look, if you don't like slow things, like, do not, I'm not, just don't bother with it. Yeah, um, if you're, if you're suspect, if you're expecting blood and jump scares, and it sounds like this is more of a... Just a lot of blood. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it kind of felt like in, at times, hmm. it was, it was kind of similar to, like, watching Hannibal. Like, it was really slow oh, okay. and, like, really long cuts of just, like, blood oozing out of people. Sure. But very, very stylized in that way. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, it's to me, it was definitely, like, to me, the whole movie just felt really claustrophobic. Um, I saw Alien Covenant, which is sitting at 71% on the tomato meter, uh, with a much closer audience score aggregate of a 60%. Um, again, those can't be particularly trusted, but um, I, I feel like that's fairly accurate. Um, this is, uh, if you watched, if you were sold on this movie from the trailer, uh, then it's a very misleading movie because the trailer certainly plays up the "this is like Alien, this is like Aliens" uh, <laughs> factor. <laughs> when this movie is not at all like Alien or Aliens, uh, only so much as in there are xenomorph... Well, there is a, there is a singular xenomorph in this movie. Uh, and they do take elements from Alien and Aliens, specifically like things that happen to the xenomorph in those movies happen to the xenomorph in this movie. Uh, so there are similarities in that regard. But this is almost entirely a direct sequel to Prometheus, which it should be because this is supposed to be a prequel to Alien and a sequel to Prometheus. Uh, But the trailer certainly did not play up those aspects, probably because there are a lot of mixed feelings around um, Prometheus, which is a movie I liked. But there's a lot of people who were confused by it or didn't like it or, you know, whatever the case may be. and I've heard I've heard many a valid and justified opinion about that, but this is a this is a straight up direct sequel to that movie, a more competently made sequel. Like this is a lot easier to follow, uh, but it is in every way a, a direct follow up. Michael Fassbender steals the show just like he did in Prometheus. Uh, he does it again here, but Danny McBride is surprisingly really good in this movie. 
uh, too, because uh, you normally think of him as more or less usually the straight up comic relief. And um, although, I mean, you know, if you've seen like Eastbound and Down, he does his his range is like a little bit more than just straight up um, comedy. But he can do the sad clown. Yeah, yeah, he can do sad clown. Although he wasn't doing sad clown in this movie either. Uh, he was he was very good in this movie. Billy Crudup, I mean Billy Crudup and like Catherine Waterston are basically like the 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 bigger name stars that are sort of in the background. Billy Crudup has one of the best voices. Mm-hmm. But, like, those Mastercard commercials <laughs> are pretty incredible. Because I'm sure voice. I'm sure if he was hearing this right now, he would probably be like, you know. That's what that's what you that's what you think of when you think of me. I'd rather you think of like Doctor Manhattan or something. I think of his voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, all those people are, are competent and stuff, but it's really the Michael Fassbender show. Uh, he plays two roles in this movie. Her name is uh, Catherine Waterston, right? Catherine Waterston is that is that her name? The the lady because she yeah, was Daniels. in that um, what the Beast Fantastic Beast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, She's I hate her the, American accent. She's the new um, girl who was in uh, Prometheus. What was her name? Was it Numi Rapace? Who is, is that? Who yeah, was in yeah, that's, that's the one who said that. Yeah, she's the new that character in this oh, okay. movie. Um, where she's around for the whole movie. She's even there at the end. That sort of thing. Um, and she's fine. But as I, as I noted, it's I just, the Michael I hate Fassbender her American show. accent. It's, it is very grating to me. I feel like it's less noticeable here. Actually, maybe she spoke with an English accent this time. Maybe no, I, I it's just it. it's it is, you can definitely tell in Fantastic Beasts. She, I'm trying to do an American accent. Yes. Uh, so yeah, with that with that uh, with that twenties New York. Yeah. Hey, buddy, uh, Mr. Scamander. Yeah. Uh, there is, like I said, seventy one percent on the tomato meter. With an average six point four out of ten from the uh, reviewers, um, I, I would probably give this like a really strong three and three quarters. It's um, it's totally serviceable. Uh, it's a good follow up to Prometheus, but it's not you know, it's not Alien, it's not Aliens, uh, nor could it be, I guess. Um, you know, it's not bad. It's a fine installment into the canon. It's certainly better than like Alien Three and Four. So, uh, or that second Alien versus Predator movie. There were two of those, right? That's two of them. <sighs> Requiem. That's the one where you literally Requiem. can't see anything because it is so fucking dark. Yeah. Um, it's kind of right, like let's... it comes at night. It looks like it's shot with just a lantern around on as a on a sound stage. Like that would be. Kind of how it looks. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I thought the first one was actually kind of fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, look. They fight in a gigantic it's... pyramid. I, who cares? Like... Under the ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, an intact pyramid under the ice that they can go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's full of aliens and predators and stuff. Well, it's full of aliens. The predators go there. Oh, the predators come them. to hunt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. So it's Wonder Woman talk. Uh, Glenn and I have both seen this it's currently sitting at a certified fresh 93% on the tomato meter with a very strong average rating of 7.6 out of 10 
So uh, all of those positive reviews are nearly glowingly positive. Uh, audience score is like 92%. Uh, I, I feel that as inaccurate as those audience scores can be, I've said it twice now, I feel like this one is pretty dead on. I have not seen a lot of people saying they don't like this movie. I've seen various degrees of how much people have liked it, but I have not seen a lot of people that didn't like it. Um, so what did you make of the latest installment into the, the DCEU, Glenn? I thought it was a competently good, solid movie. Mm-hmm. I do not think... I mean, look. I don't know how far down we want to go... I don't know how far down we want to go down. I don't know how how far we want to go down this road. Sorry. I guess the second cup of coffee hasn't kicked in yet. <laughs> um, but I don't... It's good. And it's fine. But we that's, don't need to... We do not need to make this into something that it isn't. That's le- that's less glowingly positive than I than I thought was was going to come. Although I should have known better. Um, it's looked, good. I really liked it. Like we talked about, it did what it had to do. Yeah, I'm. It, it, to me, it didn't change the game. Oh um, no, 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 no. It's. I mean, the plot's fairly vanilla. As I, far I, as comic, a lot movies, of things are right. executed really well. As far as comic book movies go, of course, it didn't change anything. Hopefully, it'll change things as far as like what people consider are possible for female leads or women directors. Hopefully that will change some of I those I mean, that would be my but... biggest thing, is female directors. Yeah. The female leads thing at this point, I mean, look, uh, we have a Star Wars movie coming out every year, and until the dawn, of, until the end of time, besides the Han Solo prequel, they're all going to be led by a female Daisy character. Ridley. I mean, it, yep. it's... Uh, any offshoot, I mean... So to me, like, I'm not saying like obviously yes to any more opportunities. That's not what I do, I'm saying. But I do to think, me, it's like it, it's not as prevalent. As, I do think people as are like minorities in yeah. roles. <laughs> I do think I do think people are forgetting that. But I I would probably imagine that others would argue that Daisy Ridley also had the strength of the fact that she was in a Star Wars movie, and there was also a Star Wars movie with the original cast in it. And I, I guess the true test would have been just a Daisy Ridley Star Wars movie. Oh yeah, like this movie, uh, Atomic Blonde, is gonna is probably more of a a better barometer. Yeah, I, I just can't we... help but compare it to John Wick because it looks like it's shot pretty similarly. Mm-hmm. So every time I watch that, see that trailer, I'm like, eh, I could just watch John Wick too. Yeah, I like, got that this movie will be bad. It's just I already know something that's incredible. Yeah. Um. So I was great. I'm grading this move. I was grading this movie on a curve because I was grading this movie in relation to the DCEU and the three films that have been made in it thus far. And based on that curve, this was a fantastic movie yeah. uh, that blew the other ones out of the water. I mean, not even close. And I, I enjoyed Man of Steel more than most i feel like i'm in the minority i don't i feel like there's a lot of people who did not like man of steel i i enjoyed it but uh hated the shit out of batman v superman and i can i can't even bring myself to talk about suicide squad for more than a couple minutes um i'm just bored talking about it now but 
this was so much better than all of those movies. And I took a lot of flack for insinuating that this felt like a Marvel movie. But it did. Uh, because it smartly... Uh, well, number one, the beginning of this movie is bright and colorful. And they eventually delve into Snyder's muted tones and uh, darker color schemes and stuff. But Which works you know, really well. It works in this movie. They use like the contrast is... It serves the story. Yeah. Yeah, because they're differentiating between uh, Paradise Island and World War One. Yeah, as soon as the prequel the prequel Nazis show up, um, <laughs> that's when things start getting dark. Because you even notice, like, as they're fighting on the, the mascara, like, you, that's where the, the, the tones start to get more muted. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact, like, the German officers are wearing grays and... All gray, yeah. So it's like, uh, they kind of ease you into it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's not just the the color use. I I just thought the the script, the the pacing of this movie, the way they shot certain things, just the way they told this story in general, felt way more like it came out of Marvel's playbook for their movies than what they've been doing with the DC movies. Um, this has been a distinct criticism of the DC EU movies up until this point. Uh, but Wonder Woman was a superhero, Glenn, who in this movie did heroic things, which is a distinct criticism of the other movies where Superman leveled Metropolis and killed millions of people. Heroes were fighting each other in Batman v Superman, and then they finally teamed, but only to fight a giant monster that was leveling cities and probably killing more people. Suicide Squad was a movie full of people who were specifically on purpose not heroes. Uh, this was like a superhero movie where the main character was super heroic and it was just nice to see the hero fighting bad guys doing the right thing solely because it's the right thing to do. Uh, as far as the DCEU movies go, it was just a breath of fresh air. That's why it reminded me of the Marvel movies. All of the Marvel movies are about superheroes doing super heroic things, trying to save people as opposed to killing people you know, civilians in large numbers. Uh, you know, we know why Zack Snyder did what he did and he explained why he wanted to do things that way. But, you know, a lot of people just want their superheroes to be superheroes. And I feel like this is the first DC movie that accomplished, or at least in the universe of these movies, uh, this is the first character to actually just be a straight up, you know, black and white, no complexity superhero who just did superhero stuff. And I thought it was uh, a refreshing change. I don't know. How about you? I mean, we really don't need to rehash the argument about saving people because Mm -hmm. there's a movie that I personally don't care for that much uh, in Marvel that that deals with collateral damage. It's inescapable. No, I'm talking about Civil War, which the whole thing happens because of collateral damage. Like even mm-hmm. if they saved lives in Ultron, like uh, look, uh, people are gonna die. Like <laughs> you just can't. I mean, oh sure, sure, yeah, sure. And it's kind of like, uh, but I mean, I, I feel I just, like to me, it yeah. feels like the DC stuff is is less apologetic. Like they don't have those very ham fisted moments to say like, oh, let's save the people. Let's have Captain America save these two people on a truck. 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, then we just shuttle them on to uh, the helicarrier and then uh, get back to fighting. Like, they, they don't have that part. They don't have those parts. Sure. Um, I, th- I think it was just that, you know, everyone's memories of Superman was that's what Superman did. Well, the whole and thing about Superman th- is him restraining his own strength. Oh, sure, sure. And so I mean, I, when you watch Man of Steel and he does yeah. no restraint, it's very jarring because you realize how strong he is. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the problem. Like, I, I, I got what Snyder was going for there, but a lot of people were, you know, but that's because I was never really a fan of Superman. And I enjoyed this. Apparently Zack Snyder isn't either. Apparently not. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, this this movie treated its character and acted in a completely... Uh, different way. The biggest uh, thing this movie has for it is that the big climactic battle, even though it is big, mm-hmm. as far as like CGI heavy, which to me was like kind of a downer. Yeah, but um, it takes place in an airport that mm-hmm. just has the bad quote unquote bad guys on it. Yeah, it doesn't. You have to carry on into a city or a giant space beam and mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. Like that to me is the biggest thing. Like even though it is this big battle which to me is kind of like a CGI slugfest. Uh, at the very least, it's contained. So that, to, I mean, besides the town, it gets mustard gas, but it's like, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's just jump-starting a, a very quick third act. Um, yeah. Kind of just happens very abruptly. Um, I can uh... give an argument for, and I definitely, because I don't really like it, I could give an argument against. Yeah. I mean, I'm. Um, I I really enjoyed the performances uh, in this. I'm so happy to eat crow about Gal Gadot. Um, I very vividly remember rolling my eyes hearing about how they cast uh, someone with not a lot of acting experience who was a, a model, uh, like a Miss Universe contestant or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> And uh, for for Wonder Woman, I'm like, oh boy. Well, we know how this story ends. And uh, she, I mean, she was fun. She was very fun in Batman v Superman. One of the bright parts of that movie. Uh, but here is like a movie where she gets the bulk of the dialogue. She gets the bulk of all of the scenes. I thought she was pretty good. Yeah, she does uh, fish out of water humor pretty well. Yes. Like she actually uh, has like pretty good comedic timing. Mhm. Chris Pine was uh He is charming. super charming. <laughs> He's just Chris Pine. He's Captain Kirk. Uh he was he was super good. Uh kind I mean even like uh the Amazons that we didn't get to see uh, enough of played by Connie Nielsen and Robin Wright who was great they were all great. David Thewlis who was the uh the twist in this movie. Uh, he he was Custardly he was good old as well. white British man. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there was a lot. I mean, there was some great. There's some great scenes. The No Man's Land scene is fucking great stuff. Oh, you know what uh, else made it feel like a Marvel movie? Hmm. The bad guy was kind of underwhelming. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny considering the bad guy is Ares, the god, you know, a a god. It's, it is, I liked the twist. I thought it was a pretty cool way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, 
I would have liked it more if they kept going with the uh, battle of ideals, not not big punch fest, and he gets yeah. the armor thrown up on him. Like it, it just, uh, I didn't look bad, but it, it was just like I, I've seen this before. You know, I, I talked about it before. You know, like oh, I mean, me, the reason a... why I like the Dark Knight so much is it takes place like the end of the movie's on a rooftop. You know, mm-hmm. three men trying to hash something out. Like it is a battle of ideologies. It is not. There's Go a, fight my way through this, you know. I mean, and there's a there's a ton of if we're if we're only sticking to you know, look, I know it's not fair to sit here and pick apart an origin story of which there are a million, you know, there's a million comic book origins, and a lot of them borrow from each other, and they're all yeah, the same. Definitely, a lot. Do. I mean, I mean, look, we talked about we've talked about in the past how Ant Man is basically like a reimagined Iron Man, like almost almost in every way, except for the fact that. Um, Ant-Man isn't rich. Um, you know, where Tony Stark is like a rich guy, but their stories are ridiculously similar. He's just funded by a rich guy, so he doesn't have to worry about money. That's right. Um, (laughs) but there are a lot of similarities in the Wonder Woman origin to like other movies we've seen. Thor was a fish out of water in his movie. We've seen the good guy who turns out to be the bad guy twist. Uh, you know, we've seen that in a bunch of the Marvel movies. Uh, I mean, and, and look, yes, yes, yes. And other comic book movies too. This is not exclusive to Marvel. I know Marvel didn't invent comic book movies, everybody, but I'm just saying as far, if we're, if we're just comparing the DCEU to the MCU, this is why I feel like Wonder Woman was borrowing more from that playbook than what they've been doing in the, uh, in the D with the DC movies. Uh, I mean, a lot of people have already pointed this out, but there are quite a few similarities between this movie and Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah, except it didn't have a montage. No, there were no montages. Which, to the... me, was nice, because that was kind of like my biggest problem with Captain America. Because, right. like, the second act is a montage. Right. I mean, but there and was, then Bucky like... getting killed. You've got, <laughs> I mean, you've got, like a, you've got, like, a superhero on the battlefield. You've got uh, a Howling Commandos. You've got a... Uh, you've got a brave, charming man making a sacrifice on an airplane. You've got, uh, I mean, everything from like... Yeah, because he's like, super dead. You've got like your villain who's got a much smarter sidekick. Like Red Skull had uh, Arnim Zola, who is clearly uh, much smarter than Red Skull. And in this movie, you've got generic German sergeant guy. And then he's got Dr. Poison as a second. Uh, you know, so there's, um, there's, there's just like a lot of similarities between those movies, but none of that is bad. No, to me, I would say like, it builds upon it. Like, I like the fact that it did, like, to me, like the moment where she steps out of the trenches and they're like, oh, we got to follow her. Like, to me, that is like way more inspiring than anything I've seen in any of the superhero movies. Agreed. It was a tremendous scene. I mean, I, like, I like the, the music that they used for her in that sequence. But honestly, how much better would it have been if they just started playing Wonder Woman? Like that would have been. As awesome. she got out of the trenches, oh, I would have been really kicking cool. all the asses. Man. Yeah, that would have. <laughs> like, it I mean, it's, been so cool. So I, I know a lot of people have are still upset about how sexualized the character is in terms of her wardrobe 
Um, which they are still, which, which they are sticking to from the comics essentially. But then somebody would argue, well, she was just drawn that way to get nerdy, horny guys to buy the comic book. I feel like I never really thought of her costume like in this movie. I right. didn't think of it as like super sexy or anything. Right. I mean, I guess it's, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've never been a super macho guy. Maybe it's because I have two daughters, but I never looked at her in that way at all in this movie. I always just saw her as the superhero main character of the movie. Like I didn't lust after her or anything. I know that there were some jokes in the movie about that sort of shit, um, which I thought were, you know, the, I don't know whether to be afraid or aroused was kind of like a soft joke that landed softly, I guess for me, it wasn't the funniest bit in this movie. Uh, actually the thing I thought was best was the shit where she tasted ice cream for the first time, which I guess is a bit out of the comics. But yeah. I thought that was awesome, where she's just like, you should be so proud of yourself. <laughs> um, well, even, like, when they're on the boat talking about sex, like... Oh, yeah, 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 or sleeping together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that stuff is funny. Uh, yeah, but I feel like her costuming works especially well for that scene, because she's going out in what appears to be, like, very unprotective gear... While these people are in on like flat ground in trench warfare, where people are just firing bullets and bombs and all sorts of shit at her, she appears to be unprotected, but in fact, she's more protected than anybody else. She's just easily deflecting shit, uh, sideswiping giant shells with her shield. You know, all of that stuff was awesome. Like, she's sitting there taking all of those bullets while everybody is like moving up trench by trench. Like, all of that shit was awesome. When she busts into the building and they finally hit the Wonder Woman theme, or, like, the the DCEU Wonder yeah. Woman theme, which is pretty awesome. Like, that was just awesome. All of her fight stuff was great. Like, it was... She's just a badass character. It was throws really, that fucking it was tank? Super, yeah! She throws a tank. It, it's, there's a lot of memorable moments from this movie. It's just really well made. Uh, the performances are good. It felt like... It felt different from all the other DC movies. It it reminded me of a Marvel movie. I know that's blasphemy to some people who... I'm, Glenn, I'm relatively certain these are people that just have hang-ups over the fact that the other DC movies have not been well-reviewed by critics. And Marvel just knows how to make their movies, and they make them, and they're well done, and critics generally give them favorable scores. I feel like this is where all the hang-ups come from. Uh, but that is not Marvel's fault. It is the fault of the people making those DC movies. And maybe this is just a case of Patty Jenkins knows what she's doing. And I feel like this is a case of Patty Jenkins knowing what she's doing. I kind of actually, I know she gave out her vision for what she wanted to do with the second Thor movie. Uh, because as we know, she was, uh, she was given that movie, but they had creative differences and they ended up not working together. Uh, which I guess is for the better because we ended up with this really good Wonder Woman movie, but... I am kind of curious to see what she would have done uh, with a with a Thor movie, but super happy with this. What would you give Wonder Woman? Mm, like a four. Yeah, I gave it a really strong four. Um, it's a you know we've seen a bazillion origin stories. This hit all of those origin story notes, but they did it well. Uh, lots of good action. I mean, it's got. It gets a bit jumbled in the third act, but as we've said a million times, what comic book movie or big blockbuster movie doesn't get a little bit jumbled? 
uh, in the third. I'm okay with it for the most part as long as it doesn't delve into like Transformers territory. I mean, to me, it just like kind of comes no with the territory, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you I'm ha- just happy there like, are no Skybeams. It's beams. more of like studios like, hey man, you gotta have you gotta have a big third act. We gotta do that big third act. We gotta have that big battle and that big open space. Like, lots of you explosions. Don't need to. Like, to me, like, the big thing should have been her, her essentially her coming out party in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Like, that should have been the big big number and then the, i think to me everything else could have been downhill yeah because you proved her point you know yep and and to be fair nothing in the third act topped the battlefield scene no at all it didn't even but you could say that about a lot of sure big movies now that you mentioned it i do kind of wish the no man's land scene would have been the final like that uh, honestly like she could have gone through Balba done that, and then it's like, to me, what I would have preferred is they go through, they save the town, and then she's they're like, oh well, we got to stop, save with the town. And she's like, no, we got to keep going, mm-hmm. and it's just like, and then they go straight to the the airport hangar. Like to me, like you could have cut out the whole stuff at the gala. I mean, you didn't need any of that stuff. I mean, like there, there's a good twenty thirty minutes. Like you probably could have cut, and nothing would have changed. Yeah, not really. You had Chris Pine hitting on Dr. Poison, trying to, like, gain her confidence or something. Yeah. And like, then you had Wonder Woman almost killing the German guy, but then not. And, like, that was kind of it. Yeah, like, you don't really, you really could have cut out a lot. You really didn't need it. And Agreed. I could, and if you would, if, to me, like, because I think that was, like, such a good high that if you just would have gone straight into, into that, then it would have been like, oh, wow, you know, that was pretty solid. Because um, then the it, would, it really would have been like her and Trevor's relationship like would have been really brief. So when she does at the end, it's like, oh, thanks for bringing them back to me. Because it's like, oh, this guy I fell in love with. Like, there was so much more that we could have had. I mean, if you did that, you yeah. would have cut out the sex scene. I mean, I guess we just go into spoilers, but it's like you cut out the sex scene, and then you know, as they're going to the hangar, and then they kind of do that, which I thought I really liked. You know, you don't hear it the first time, and then as he. Goes, then he, you know, blows himself up in an airplane. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Spoilers. yeah, and then it would have been, uh, uh, you know, the going right right into her defeating areas. Like, to me, that would have been a lot more compact. Like, you know, yeah. it, it, that is the one thing. These goddamn superhero movies, not all of them need to be two and a half hours long. Like, there's nothing wrong with making an hour and 45 minute movie. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, Wonder Woman had a huge opening. It did a hundred million dollars here. It did uh, combined. It did two hundred million worldwide, which is a record for any female director in history. And it's probably going to continue to do really well. Now, on the other hand, Glenn, we can't have a moment of sun for DC without Marvel jumping in and saying, "Oh, hey, here's a Black Panther trailer." Uh, now they said, I, I saw this and I saw the black panther teaser normally when i see teaser i feel like oh well it's a trailer i don't know why they're calling it a teaser because like teasers these days are like two minutes uh and those to me aren't teasers those are like full trailers but i thought to myself well black panther isn't scheduled to come out until like next year like february or something or march i think february so this is probably just like a teaser teaser no, they gave you nearly two minutes of footage from this movie that does not come out until February, which is crazy to me that they've got 
this much done, and they're still pretty damn far out from the release of this movie, I figured we'd be getting uh, some stuff closer to, like, Thor Ragnarok or something, which doesn't come out until October. Uh, so, yeah, and we've only gotten, like, one trailer for Thor Ragnarok. That doesn't come out until October. I don't know. I, I just found it crazy that they had uh, this much to work with. So they released a trailer. Uh, I guess it's a teaser because they didn't really go into the story, although I think there's a lot of things that we're going to be able to insinuate about the story, and there's a, some bits that have already come out. But uh, what did you make of the story? I think you were telling me before we started recording that you thought it was weird. Yeah, okay, so, like, they got Andy Serkis in there, right? Yeah, back is Ulysses Claw. And he's, like, talking about, oh, I've been there, I've seen it. And, uh, and it's like, oh, but, man, it's so much more advanced than you would think. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, because we saw Captain America Civil War, and they talked about how advanced their culture yeah. is. The, well, world, I mean, the world knows. Wait, what? Wait, did we? Yeah, they talk about Civil War. Like, when they're at... The reason why they get blowed up in the that one building is because it's their coming out party to show the world how advanced their country is. Like, they talk about it in the movie. I may have to go back... I may have to go back and watch Civil War to see if they actually say that, because if that's the case... That's why that I thought it was, weird. like, really strange, because it's like... I thought they talked about, like, how, like, how much... How, uh, how much of an oasis this is. Uh, and you, I mean, you do see it at the end of the movie when they freeze Bucky Barnes, but it's like I could have yeah. sworn we've this is established. That's why I thought it was really weird that they're um, that that it was done this way because it's like they we know we've seen it. Yeah. Uh, so other than that weirdness, if that is indeed the case, I'm gonna have to go take a look. Uh, what what else did you? Uh, what else did you uh, gleam from this? Uh, oh, I love Michael B. Jordan. I mean, even mm-hmm. like when he's like thirty years old, he kind of has yeah. Jennifer Lawrence syndrome, where he looks like a kid playing dress up. Yeah, like it's not bad, but it's just like, oh, he looks super young in the in that headdress. He never looks old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was, like, it wasn't a bad thing. It was just kind of like, oh, uh-huh, okay, yeah, he just looks super young. That's weird. He's uh, not in fan stick anymore. We can say that. Yeah, that's true. This is definitely not going to be fan stick. Um, it's certainly... It looks really cool, though. Yeah, it certainly looks... Uh, I mean, so in a lot of ways... Well, okay, so the Ulysses... A lot like uh, the, the, every Marvel movie, the but... The Ulysses back... Uh, backstory thing like where he's telling the story mm-hmm. i felt like predator which was kind of cool because <laughs> mm-hmm. like you know they use the reds and the black and the the flares yes. and stuff like it felt like predator yeah which i and i wish a... the movie was just black panther hunting down poachers in the in the jungle like i wish <laughs> now i want that movie to just be predator with black panther that would be so cool that would be pretty great I mean, so yeah, you've got like those. Which those, I guess those is hidden, Rambo, but those hidden. You've got like those hidden elements. Um, you know, like how the the real city is is hidden, uh, hidden away from society. There's like the the front Wakanda, and then there's the real Wakanda, the hidden Wakanda that uh, not many know about or have seen and lived to to tell the tale about El Dorado. I guess they've said, but. Uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, it looks like a lot of 
Marvel movies, but I, I feel like that's kind of just in the way some of the stuff is presented to you. In every other way, it feels very different. I mean, and, I, and obviously it is. You've got Ryan Coogler directing, and I could feel his like presence in the movie, which I just from the trailer, I could kind of feel it, which is a good thing. Uh, cause sometimes it's, it's tough to pull, uh, stuff like that out of a trailer, but I, I kind of, Oh, it's like, also hard to like pull some your style in a big movie too. Yeah. In a, in a tent pole that's connected to other movies. It's not easy to do that. And I was getting Ryan Coogler vibes and stuff. So, yeah. uh, I think this is going to, I mean, this is obviously just a, a tiny look. We didn't even get a lot of Chadwick Boseman in this trailer. Uh, they're, they're actually focusing more on a lot of the other characters. We got, uh, we got more of like, you know, Lupita Nyong'o and uh, some of his, uh, like, Black Panther security and uh, Michael B. Jordan and Andy Serkis. I think we got more of all of those people than we got of uh, Chadwick Boseman. But I'm sure... There will be uh, plenty more of that to come. It's weird how this bulky, movie doesn't come out until next year. It's weird how bulky Andy Serkis looks in this movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. He does look a little bit different. Yeah. I kind of, and I, I don't. I, I really no pun intended. It's not a pun, but you'll get it. He kind of does yeah. look like a small little chimp. Yeah, like when he's sitting there, because like his shoulders like normally, are like yes. really big. He's got like a big, broad chest. Do you feel like this is just from years of doing that mocap stuff yeah, that it's just He's changed like how his like, body position? He has to like yeah, squat and like run with uh, like pegs yeah, on his yeah. hands. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know. I mean, I'll say that <laughs> like he he definitely works his traps. Like <laughs> it was just it was just really jarring to me. Um. So yeah, I think we're both. Yeah, I mean, looking look, forward I, to look, it. I said it like when I and though I'm not like a huge fan of Civil War. Like for me, like. By far, like, I thought playing Black Panther was the coolest character in that movie. Mm-hmm. It was cool, yeah, we get to see Spider-Man, yay, but it was like, Black Panther, he felt different. Uh, was, to me, that was like what I can say, is like, he felt yeah. different in that movie than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Not that he stood out, because like, totally he was different, it's just like, he, he felt like a different kind of hero. Yeah. Like, you could feel the weight that he he carries mm-hmm. around him. Being the new king and whatnot. Um, so I feel like this is going to be a movie about. I, so based off of everything I've based off of everything I've read, it seems like this is going to be a movie about how he's wanting. He's taking over for his father, but there are other forces that want to usurp the power or something. I I feel like that's probably what they're doing here. I don't think they're doing like an origin story or anything like that. I don't think this is a prequel. But um, I feel like they're going to kind of do an origin story without doing an origin story, I guess. Like they're going to do a story about how he becomes King uh, T'Challa, I guess. But it's not going to be a story about how he becomes Black Panther. So maybe they're going to... Maybe this is going to be one of those Feige movies where he talked about doing origins without doing origins i guess or doing them differently uh and they haven't done that so far so maybe this oh yeah they do i mean we met him already yeah he became the king in civil war 
Well, to be fair, we did we did meet Wonder Woman already, and then they did an origin. Well, story, they did a but... prequel, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so uh, head on over to uh, cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the Cinema Geekly podcast. Check out all the other shows that we are doing. There's many that are ongoing, some ones that are going to be coming back, some ones that are going to be ending. It's a constant cycle, but check out the website. Check out uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, all at Cinema Geekly. Uh, all of the updates will be there as they happen. Uh, you can shoot us an email if you're interested in such things, cinemageekly at gmail.com. And uh, I guess don't forget to, to use those shoppy links. Oh, what's the... the page. We're going to do box office? Um, actually, no, I have not. I didn't pull up the box office for the uh, the weekend. Actually, there isn't a new box office. Oh, well, yeah, not for... Well, I mean, I'm talking... Okay. So what do you think is going to be the number one movie coming out of the summer? Domestically, not international, because... I fuck. I couldn't tell you what's going to be international. Besides, I would probably say Transformers, but of the summer, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's kind of cheating because we've already seen domestically like Pirates Five fall to the wayside. We we know yeah, how much right of a head start that uh, Guardians has, and there's yeah, no right way now Guardians will catch that. Right now, Guardians is the has made the most. Like, what do you think could actually like test it? Test Guardians? Yeah, as far as, like, taking the number one spot. Like, what do you think, like, what we have left, like, what do you think has, like, the most legitimate shot? I mean, I'm curious to see what Wonder Woman's second week does. Yeah, um, that might give you That might give you Because uh, apparently the puppy's as... already flopped uh, domestically. What has? Uh, the Mummy. Oh, the Mummy. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they're saying, like, $169 million pulled worldwide. And 139 of that is international. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. gonna say, doing the math, that it's like 30 million at home. Mm-hmm. The, trans- the Transformers movie probably has a shot at doing it. I'm curious to see if there's franchise fatigue when it comes to those movies yet. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Um, I feel like I feel like it would be stupid to say Guardians is going to take it because there's some other movies that haven't come out yet. And it's entirely possible I really think no Despicable Me 3 is going to do it. It might. Because, like, People I mean, I know Cars minions. 3 is popular, but I don't know. I mean, People it is everybody's, like, minions. least favorite of all the... <laughs> why, why there are three of these and not Incredibles, I will never know, but... Yeah. Um... I really think it's going to be Despicable Me 3. It could be. The Minions made a fuckload of money. (laughs) Kids love the Minions, for sure. It could be. Uh, It could be, for sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll find out. We do this podcast so infrequently now because we're so busy doing other ones. By the time we come back, the summer will probably be over. Actually, I don't think that'll be the case, but it feels like the summer might be over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got Comic-Con coming up, so there's going to be things to talk about for sure uh all right so for glenn bovey i'm anthony lewis and we will be back soon uh sooner than later with another cinema geekly podcast